0: welcome back to the nevers podcast a podcast dedicated to the discussion and dissection of every episode of the upcoming hbo series the nevers an original sci-fi drama epic from writer, producer, director, our everything, Joss Whedon. If you'd like to follow us online, you can visit our website at hbothenevers.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, simply at HBOTheNevers. You can also stream our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever else you stream your podcasts. I'm your host, Kelly. On today's show, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to veer off course just a little bit, and rather than focus just on the nevers, we're going to be revisiting two of Joss's perhaps underrated creations, The Cabin in the Woods and Sugar Shark. But I'm not going to be tackling these topics alone, thankfully. <laughs> Joining me on today's show are two people whose voices you might recognize. It's Jackie and Heather from the Nevers cast. Yay. Hello. Yay. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Excellent. Good. Thanks for having us. Here at the Nevers podcast, we thought it'd be a really good idea to kind of cross promote each other's show because, you know, we're all in this together. It's a community, we're all really excited. So let's just share our weed and love. Woo. Yay. All right, so. <laughs> Uh, so can you two give us kind of a brief history of your relationship with Joss Whedon? Well, mine is
1: super brief. Um, and I come to it via Heather. Um, I had heard of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it, it was becoming a TV show right as I was graduating from grad school. And I remember thinking, why are they doing that? Um, so I ignored it and then I got to be friends with Heather and she was like, you really need to watch this. And I was like, okay. And I... Got a DVD and then proceeded to jam seven seasons of TV in about three weeks. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, it was. I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Uh, and um, Heather's still a lot more into it. I, I did. I like Firefly. I love Cabin in the Woods. That is absolutely my favorite movie of all time. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, I don't read so much. Do the comics so much. Comics are not something I. I read a lot, although the ones I've read, I do like. So.
0: Great.
1: Yeah. So, how about it?
0: So, <laughs> <mine> is, <laughs> my
2: story is much more convoluted. I actually worked at a movie theater when uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out in theaters. And I was really excited by it. I was excited by the name. It suggested a certain amount of uh, subver- uh, subversiveness uh, that I'm, I love that type of humor and turning genres on their heads. So, I was super excited. And then I saw it and I wasn't really that excited anymore. So, um when the move when the series came out uh, I thought the the movie was terrible how are they getting this off the ground you know what I mean I mean the movie has certain p- spots that are near and dear to my heart but so I ignored it I was like I, I don't even think I was in some you know, Tiny town in Louisiana working for the army. And I don't even think we got that channel down there at that point. So <laughs> so I couldn't watch it if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. The first show I saw by him, um, that I recognized him as a talent was Firefly. Um and I really loved Firefly and I was really upset that it didn't make it. Um, and then I had to have ankle surgery. So I decided n- now that I was a fan, I was going to have, I was going to be on um, bed rest and I was just going to binge Buffy. And that was what? 2005 Jackie. Maybe. I don't really, yeah. I don't exactly remember. I don't each other
1: by that point, but.
2: And I, and I like Jackie devoured it. And I was just like, you know, it had a bunch of people in it. I liked at that point. I liked Seth Green. I liked Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, i had seen oddly enough, Mark Blucas in a couple of things. So, um, I was oh like, boy,
0: he's done something else. <laughs> oh yeah, he's
2: done. He's he's actually done. He's actually done quite a bit of stuff. Um, yeah, but it's it, you know he's ne- he's never been a list, so that's why it was kind of surprising. But I saw some independent film with him in it that I really liked. Um, so yeah, so then it was on to the rest of the library. It was on to Angel. It was on. You know, by the time I had devoured everything and found everything on the internet I could about Joss Whedon and. Trivia. And and I was a film major in college, so I was all into the production side of it. And, you know, the the directors and the agents and the casting and, you know, and then (laughs) and then the writer strike happened and Dr. Horrible came out. So, you know, after that, it was history. Like I, you know, (laughs) now I'm now I'm a super fan. So
0: our listeners will know my story. But briefly, it was I watched Buffy when it premiered. In 1997, Welcome to the Hellmouth, and the rest is history, essentially. (laughs) I loved it and watched it every week when I was a teenager in high school. And (laughs) yeah, as soon as there was anything else that I could find that was Joss Whedon, just read. And honestly, I feel like he has definitely never disappointed me in anything that he has done. So what were your reactions to, you know, hearing about a new show? Certainly very Intrigued.
1: Um, right. And I'm excited it's on HBO because I think he's going to have a lot more license for stuff to do stuff and explore topics that I don't think he could have gotten away with on Fox or wherever. Absolutely.
2: Else. I think uh, my my dream, actually, and I said this on our show, is that um, after Dollhouse was, you know, summarily murdered by Fox, um, that he needed an outlet like HBO where he could have full license to do his thing and have the the four or five shows he needs to get the arc off the ground and that kind of thing and yeah. be more, more adult. Um, so, uh, I know there was a bidding war with Netflix. I'm actually really got, glad that HBO won because I think they have the budget for his vision, obviously, now that we've <laughs> seen some of the, some of the, the photography of the, 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 the show being shot. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, I'm really hoping, um, I'm really hoping it starts with a bang and it's just really, you know, just gets you right in the beginning. Like, like he's known for. Yeah. 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 It was a tough row through the Avenger movies. Like I thought the Avengers were great, but I was just like, I want TV back from this man. Um, and shield, um, while he was exact producer, I really feel like was Marissa and Jed's show. So his, his brother and his wife, Melissa Tancherine and Zed Whedon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I never watched, um, Agents of Shield, but I did hear great things from all the super nerdy fans that uh, yeah. enjoy Joss Whedon worse.
2: So. so Joss, <laughs> uh, Josh and Josh, and I'm going to mix them up a lot. My Josh, because it's just <laughs> yeah. you know one of those mouth twisters. Love yeah. loves Agents of Shield, just loves it. Yeah. So you know he he say he sees the handprint, kind of the the fingerprints of Whedon-ism on it, without it being uh, out and out Josh Joss show. Great.
0: And do you both have a favorite piece of Joss Whedon work? Whether it's something written, or a movie, or a show, or anything.
2: Buffy, Gabin in the Woods, Buffy Forever. <laughs> Buffy forever. <laughs> Heather I, has a
0: Buffy tattoo.
2: I have a Buffy tattoo.
0: Oh damn! <laughs> John, what, what is it of?
2: It's the B. It's the it's the Buffy B oh, in red. Classic. Yeah, it's the classic. It. I actually want to get it's on my back shoulder, and I actually kind of am thinking about getting a wreath of. Um, Mr. Pointies with blood dripping off him, but I don't know yet.
0: Ooh, I like it. (laughs) Scandalous. (laughs) Um, Uh, For me, it's Buffy. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, the one and the only.
2: I feel like um, I love the whole show, but but I feel like once it hit. Season one was amazing for what it was, but by the time it hit midway through season two, I was done. I was just like, I am in. Like the The, <laughs> the, the, the emotional um, and kind of uh, existentialism of the show to me is just revolutionary. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, season two is my favorite out of all of them followed up by actually season seven. And yeah, the darkness the emotional depth that they could go to and it's so it's dark. It is Mm -hmm. a dark season and I loved
2: it. My favorite season actually, and a lot of people call it heresy is season six. Um, And Mm -hmm. I, I I was reading, I know you probably read the interview with Lori Penny a couple of weeks ago about working with Jane and Joss and, you know, they were talking about um, fanfic for Buffy and, someone made the offhanded remark that, oh, season six was our favorite,"
0: <laughs> And I was just like, you know, that makes
2: so much sense because of all the really, it was so dark and sexual and gritty. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. it, it was almost like um, Wagnerian and like an opera. It was just so yeah. dramatic. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: A lot going on in that season. I think it's great that's, that it's your favorite. There's a lot yeah. going on, a lot of important things.
2: So. I think the perfect season, though, if you ask me, is season five. With mm. uh, My favorite season versus the best season um, architected-wise, I think, was five. And it's because mm-hmm. they didn't know if they were coming back, more than likely. Completely. But,
0: yeah. 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 We love Buffy. Okay, so we're going to move on to our first topic of discussion, which is the Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Someone sent those
2: things here to get us. We gotta get out of here. Oh my God, what is this place? The
0: cabin in the woods. I think I can get it to go down. Do we want to go down? We are in theaters April 13th. So, the synopsis of this movie uh, is When five college friends arrive at a remote forest cabin for a little vacation on the weekend, little do they know the horrors that will await them. One by one, the youths fall victim to backwoods zombies, but there is another factor at play. Two scientists are manipulating the ghoulish goings-on, but even as the body count rises, there is more at work than meets the eye. Classic, classic Joss Whedon. (laughs) Uh, So some interesting facts about Cabin in the Woods. Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote the first draft of the script in one weekend in a hotel room. The Cabin in the Woods release was delayed by years due to MGM's bankruptcy issues before Lionsgate eventually stepped in and saved the movie. One of the notes the filmmakers received was in regard to the film's opening scene. The studio believed that opening with Bradley Whitford and... Richard Jenkins, doing a walk through the facility would confuse the audience. So
1: it did confuse when I went to see it in the theaters. I went with a friend of mine and we got sat down and it started and we looked at each other and we were like, are we in the right film?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then the you know, title, t- the titles thing came on and we're like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what are we walking into? The speakerphone scene involving the Harbinger calling into the control center <laughs> was the first scene the duo wrote after Joss Whedon pitched the overall idea for the film. Sigourney Weaver, the amazing Sigourney Weaver, plays the director overseeing this night of deadly activity. And apparently, the final, this film's final scene, written by Joss Whedon, is meant to be his version of the quote, you always were an asshole, Gorman, seen from the James Cameron's Aliens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: what were your initial reactions to Cabin in the Woods? So, um, halfway through this movie, when I was in the theater,
1: I was like, this is a love letter to my people, as I really love a lot of horror films, um, you know, especially I was a kid in the 80s. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. grew up on a lot of that and recognized a lot of it. There's so many, so many little homages in that film to so many different movies. Um, and like halfway through it, I was like, this, this movie gets me and I am so happy I'm watching it. And I was just, it was, it, it was, it was the, it was the, it's a movie that I, I haven't had that experience at a movie in, in, since then. Like I've gone movies I've liked um there are a couple movies i'll watch on repeat i try to do an annual viewing of cabin in the woods because it gets me mm-hmm. <laughs> almost as much as you heather
0: almost <laughs> <laughs> how about you heather
2: i mean i i saw it initially you know i, I was like I, we were all in for we knew it was sitting on the shelf if you ever were on yep. weed nesk they talked about it for years being hung up hung up in um and develop cement. So when it finally came, or not development, but release, when it finally came out, everybody jumped all over it like it was last glass <laughs> of water out in the for desert. Very long. And we were not disappointed. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, it was, uh, to me, it's seminal. Um, Joss, um, I love Drew Goddard. If you've watched um, Daredevil, it, it, he's, he's great with that. Or is it Daredevil or is it something else? I think yeah, that may be Doug Petrie. Anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> But I just thought, you know, when they opened with the office talk and everybody running around, I was like, this is going to be a hell of a ride. And it's going to be a balance between really, really existential horror, physical horror and slapstick yeah. office humor. And that's exactly what it was. It was fantastic. We have a winner.
0: It's the Buckners, ladies and gentlemen. The Buckners full the W. All right, that means that, congratulations, go to maintenance. Yeah.
2: Who share the pot with Ronald, the intern. Yeah. Wait, that's not fair. I had zombies, too.
0: Yes, you did. Yes, you had zombies. But this is zombie redneck torture family, see? They're entirely separate species. It's like the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. Okay. But there's always next year.
2: The The... The office yeah. pool. <laughs> the whiteboard. I, I, I love the and whiteboard. And the speakerphone <laughs> gag. Oh, my God. We spent so many months analyzing yeah. that whiteboard <laughs> on Weed Nest.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I um, I was pumped. I was like, oh, Joss, Whedon, Joss Whedon's doing a horror movie? All in. Because I am right. a huge horror fan for over 25 years. It's like Joss Whedon work and horror. And cats. But for (laughs) entertainment value, it's Joss Beden and horror films. Like the sprinkling of different genres here and there. But those are my my main two loves and passions. So one of the reasons why I was super excited about doing this podcast. And I was super pumped. And I agree and feel the same way as both of you about it. It's just so wonderfully perfect. And I also feel like I understood it. And it understood me. (laughs) Right. One of the things... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, we, you kind of touched on the Drew Goddard uh, aspect of it. So before Cabin in the Woods, were you both, did you know about him? Were you familiar with his work? I really
1: liked the first Cloverfield movie, like, a lot. Yeah. Um, I knew Drew
2: from the show, yeah. from Buffy. Um, Or was it? Yeah. Wherever Drew came in. I, I know most of the writers, like David and, and Tim Menear and all those guys. Like, mm-hmm. I follow them. Active, Drew Greenberg.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: But what I thought was so interesting about Cabin in the Woods was it was such a it was such a downer ending. Like it was such a like but it was but, but it you was were like ending. Yup. you can't there's no sequel know, that right.
1: because it is game over and I really like that. <laughs> Me there's too. There's no it, it.
2: it was such an adjudication on humanity. It was just like nope. Yeah, yeah.
0: not worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly i love a good bleak apocalyptic ending i i loved it yeah
2: i think you go you were talking about how you how you're really into horror and 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 i have i love horror too and i'm a child of the 80s as well so i grew up with when the slashers were Mm -hmm. a a big deal Mm -hmm. and but my real love is a really well done devil movie or something Mm. with a, a mythos like a cult Vibe, You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I really, there's been a couple of movies like witch and hereditary that have come out that have been great. Midsummer is on, is out now and I'm super excited to see that. That's the kind of, so cabin in the woods really like, it was an amalgamation of all this mythos and, mm-hmm. and genre. And, and I was just like, Oh man, this is like jackpot horror. It touches everything.
0: Agreed. Like, I don't think there's really too many negative things to necessarily say about it. Um, I also loved Cloverfield. What'd you think about that sequel?
1: Well, I like, okay. The second one (laughs) I thought was a lot of fun because I was guessing through that entire movie, you know, is she just been kidnapped by this crazy guy or did the world really end? Well, how about both of those things are actually happening? right? (laughs) The third one, I, I, I regret that time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen the third one. The first one we saw in the theaters and, and it made me sick. Like, I loved it, but oh, the actual the camera. camera movement, mm-hmm, I had to go outside mm-hmm. a couple of times because I was, I was, I had motion sickness, which mm-hmm. is oh, weird. That. That's usually not my, my gig. So,
0: yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I
2: thought, I thought Cloverfield was fantastic. I, I really was, yeah. you know, it was one of the things that was like, oh, Goddard's got bigger things than writing for TV because he mm-hmm. he's just done this. So
0: completely, completely. And then, of course, the Whedonverse. We have some Whedon alumni in Cabin in the Woods. And I personally love seeing those familiar faces. They just, maybe there's like a sentimentality to seeing, you know, Tom Lank come in on this like teeny tiny little role. And I'm like, oh, yes. You know, I just, <laughs> yes. I just love seeing them. They throw their sense of humor, you know, and all their mannerisms and everything. So yeah. for me, I love seeing these faces, and then Bradley Whitford, ugh, because I'm a huge Dollhouse fan, Yep. and seeing any of those people and anything else, especially him, because he was so, just, he was just a bad guy, um, so seeing him in that kind of comedic role was really exciting for me, and then my, one of my Joss Whedon favorites is Fran Krantz, so, and he's like my, he's my favorite character in that whole movie, so, I uh, I liked seeing Amy
2: Acker, um, just yes. running around with a clipboard. I, I too am a huge Brad Whitford fan, and I really one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie is when he all of a sudden goes completely serious and philosophical towards the end, and starts talking about you know you know why are we doing this and what does it all mean and blah blah blah, and then he gets distracted and was like ah tequila. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, they they like walk in and it's like tequila is my lady, my lady, which is my favorite quote of that entire movie. Right. So I mean, it,
2: it, and the way he handled that transition was just great. So I yeah, I like
1: Brad Whitford. Um, I am not. I don't have all the names of these people. I don't watch as like when I watch TV, I get really involved in the 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 storytelling part of it. I don't necessarily ranch out to what else is going on outside of the box so much
2: yeah but ask ask her about the walking dead though <laughs>
1: sh- the walking dead has broken my heart and i am not going back there uh anyway um i did recognize tom link as you know the intern and that that yeah. one was hilarious because he's he's all like you know i'm the intern i'm not eligible for overtime and just you know
0: yeah
1: that great because you know that cut that, you know that that, that that group has unpaid interns that do crappy things. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And I didn't watch a lot. Like, I never got hooked into Dollhouse. I watched two or three episodes, but I definitely, like, watched it. And I was like, hey, it's Marty. Um, yeah,
2: I feel like Dollhouse didn't hit its stride until five, and then five blew my mind. Fly- yeah, five was just amazing. I I don't know why Miracle Lori isn't hired more. She was just dynamite in that role. Were there Was there anybody else? There was Fran. There was tom there was amy i feel like there was somebody else that was a re- regular regular if I
1: remember reading correctly fran got his role on dollhouse because of this movie well yeah because this yeah. movie
2: was in the can way before dollhouse like this was before mm-hmm, chris yeah. H- mm-hmm. it was for chris hemsworth was
0: famous was thor yeah yeah completely i think that's it i'm trying to I'm like racking my brain right now because i made a list and i was like i think it's just these four right um There's an element to to Cabin in the Woods that's, you know, it's a horror comedy. Um, There's also, it's kind of, it's a meta horror, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, and one of my favorite things about the movie is, and folks on our website, is uh, a full review that I did for Cabin in the Woods. So I'm not going to go into graphic detail, but deep detail, uh, because everything's in there. But the, the aspect of the movie where, Um, we all know the common horror tropes Mm -hmm. of the different characters. You've got the virgin, the jock. It's like, that. you know, Cabin in the Woods goes through all of that. But it's interesting because the characters that are in there aren't actually those types of people. They have to be turned into them, which I thought was just incredible because like Jules is this, you know, really smart pre-med student and she's not that, like that blonde, hyper-sexualized woman that you would see in a horror movie Kurt's not that like brutish athlete that's you know a dude bro he's a sociology major and he's really lovely and I just I love that aspect of it well do yeah. like
1: they, they even comment on that Fran comments upon that in the movie as they're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. like these are we are not who we are um,
0: yes I loved his um just how incredibly perceptive he was. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes down to the stoner in movies, they're these, they're complete fodder mm-hmm. for the killers or whatever is going on in the overall premise of the movie. And he would be an easy kill, probably one of the first people killed, but he's the most intelligent, perceptive, perfect comedic timing mm-hmm. character that they have.
1: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, not, not actually the fool, but-
0: I know. Yeah. <laughs> i just i love him so much Frank I, Frank I, overall I, I,
2: I had my questions though when he showed up with the coffee beer bong whatever the, you know the, the telescope bong from the coffee i was just like who so is he a nerd is he a stoner is he a nerd stoner what's up
0: um do you have any favorite scenes or quotes from the movie
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> i have like, i well yeah the entire thing but if we have to pick stuff when they're when the they've gone down to the facility and they hit the purge button and you know all the 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 military guys were all there (laughs) and and by the elevators and you just hear... (laughs) it
2: <laughs> the ding yeah the ding is classic like is I, lo- I love i love it I love a good sound sight gag and that was just
0: yeah
2: um I also liked when they were down um they were down in the basement of the cabin and they found all, oh, the, yeah. all the the stuff. accoutrement and the voices were going and you could i mean I could spend days um, looking at a picture of everything that was down in that basement. And I oh, particularly yes. love when Fran was like, please don't speak Latin at the book
1: <laughs> Like I'm drawing my line at
2: the end You know, Latin. Because it it was right there with that trope like white people be stupid when it comes to <laughs> this thing. <Yes. laughs> You know, Eddie Murphy made a whole routine about how black people would have been like, too bad we can't stay and left, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. You have to investigate everything.
2: So, yeah. So, I mean, I I really just the, the detail of that scene and then just that, you know, hey, don't read that. Why are you reading yeah.
1: that? I love the scene with the harbinger, too, with him on the speakerphone. Cause oh, yeah. Just- It's
0: just hilarious. (laughs) Like breaks character. He's like, my own speaker, my own speakerphone, my (laughs) own (laughs) speakerphone. Yeah, this movie. Oh goodness, so many quotes. I've seen it so many times, but it's still so funny to me. Which is what I think is so wonderful about Joss Whedon work. Because even if it's twenty years later, I'm still in stitches. It still makes me laugh. He just has the ability to make me laugh. And I don't watch a lot of comedies. Uh, Often, I just don't find them a lot really funny, but I just think he's so damn clever and so wonderful at creating dialogue that I'm just always laughing.
2: Yeah, and I I, I found that the juxtaposition of funny along with just horrific horror, like, Mm -hmm. it was, Mm -hmm. was so well done. Like you, you would have these moments of levity, and then you know someone would jump their bike into the grid or something like that. You know, and it was a whole yeah. new layer of holy crap. What have we gotten ourselves into? Like we're in a cage. Yeah.
1: You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I would like to actually. What I would like to do is they imply that there's th- this scenario is going on around the world in different locations, and I want to know what the other you know what the other right. rituals are. You know, mm-hmm. is it is it big monsters in Japan, in Tokyo? Like what what else is going on?
2: Well, the, they it was like a grudge type thing that they were showing when oh yeah with, with the you know w- w- on this round yeah, but so it, it, it would depending. be interesting like and how did it I love the idea of there's a history of how all these superpowers got together to keep the titans asleep downstairs yeah. Do you know what I mean Like how did
0: that happen How'd they figure that out Everything's so funny But yep. I do really really appreciate the in like the beginning scene It's Jules and Kurt and she's holding a book and he's like. Where did you get these? <laughs> Who told you about these? Like, you're not allowed to have books. You're a woman, but of course that's not what he means. You're just making fun of it, say,
1: and because that was a drug commercial, that was an anti-drug was ad it? that they were parodying. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I was not aware. Of yeah, that. yeah. I was. The... I read. I saw it so differently in my mind.
1: Um, was it the? Was it the um, It was a it was a le- parent confronting a- one of their kids and like where'd you learn this? And the kid is finally like, I learned it oh, from you and like I learned it from you. Oh. Yeah.
2: So there was an ad in the eighties <laughs> yeah. or nineties. Was it the nineties? And they you know, somebody he found his son's pot or whatever, he's right. like, Where'd you get this? Right. You know, where'd you learn how to
0: do this? And he was like, I learned it from you, okay? <laughs> oh, Oh, that's still funny. It is still funny. <laughs> that's great. That's so great. I had no idea. But yeah, I mean, I
2: think it also addresses, you know, the kidding around that she's, you know, she doesn't get to read because she's a blonde potty.
0: Any final words or anything to say about The Cabin in the Woods? You should watch it, it just if you that, haven't watched it. Yeah. If
1: you have watched it, you should watch it again.
2: <laughs> yeah. We, uh, Jackie was at my house in Colorado one time and we literally... Spent five hours or six hours yeah. drinking wine, going through sections of it, stopping, going outside, <laughs> sitting on the porch, and dissecting the scene we just watched.
0: Right. You know. That's amazing. That sounds like a great oh, time. Oh, fantastic.
2: <laughs> Both of our husbands woke up the next morning and were like, you two are bananas. And they are like, well.
0: <laughs> the best kind of bananas. Right. <laughs> Perfectly ripe. Ready to go. <laughs> Uh, my final thoughts and words on the Cabin in the Woods is I really think it's a subversive, refreshing horror comedy, and I think it's a it's something that Joss Whedon fans can appreciate and horror fans appreciate. And me being fans of both, I uh, I definitely super love and appreciate right. everything that they were trying to do with it, as both fans. So I yes, have- if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, I have a go what back. Are you waiting for? I have a go
2: back. I want to talk about the reaction because. Um, uh, not to get things too off track, but I just remember reading on social media. I don't read the comments anymore usually cause it's not <laughs> worth it, but this was back yep, when yep. I did. And there was a solid good half of the audience that didn't get it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just totally went right over their heads. And I was
1: just like, wow. It's like, you're the like, audience they're talking about in this movie. Like exactly. some, pe- some people, so many layers, some people
2: yes. were angry. Some people were like, I don't understand, you know? And I was like, wow.
1: What's that
2: like? That's, that,
1: that's...
2: Exactly, I was, you know, without being too, you know, a fetus, I was just like, really? Yeah. That's like people who don't like Monty Python, (laughs) or don't get Monty Python. But anyway, I just wanted to comment
0: on that. Right, that's fair. I don't know if there was anything... I'm gonna have to think about that one, because I don't understand why, what you wouldn't get. There's multiple levels and layers to the movie that I think... At least you should find you should understand one of them. Yeah. But again, you know.
2: Like the big That's their like,
0: brains, it's not my brain, so <laughs> I
2: mean I just think people thought they were sold a bill of goods that they were gonna get a slasher movie or a horror movie and it wasn't
0: right. You know. Maybe they wanted something way more straightforward yeah. Yeah. and not, you know, more nuanced and interesting. Yeah, yeah I
1: think people probably thought yes. they were gonna go see an Evil Dead remake. Which right. those are great right. too. But oh, by yeah. the way, that cabin in that movie is the cabin from the Evil yes. Dead.
0: It is. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. Again, so many homages, especially to, to uh the evil dead. Okay, we'll shut up about cabin in the stop. Woods now. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on we for hours. There's so much to love about that movie. So next we're going to go into the comic world and talk about Sugarshock. The synopsis of Sugar Shock is Uh, so it tells the story of a rock band led by a hyperactive singer songwriter named dandelion who is on a mission for a secret government agency which i keep telling you how secret it is (laughs) that may potentially (laughs) only exist in her head but when her band is enlisted in an intergalactic battle of the bands dandelion gets to prove herself as both singer and soldier so i couple of facts about Sugar Shock. Uh, It's an online comic written by Joss Whedon and illustrated by Fabio Moon. Uh, It was published in October 2009. It was hosted by MySpace. Oh god. (laughs) Let's go back back a ways. Taking me back. (laughs) Oh it definitely was. It was part of Dark Horse Presents and it actually won the Eisner Award for Best Webcomic. Yeah, uh, Yeah. so had you know, like before today, I guess uh, you had said that you had reread uh, Sugar Shock, but how did you find out about Sugar Shock, and did that introduce you to the comic world? Were you fans of comics before, like Joss Whedon, or you know, let me know your stories.
1: So I don't read a lot of of comics, I mean, I've read Watchmen, I read Mouse, I've read most of The Walking Dead because, you know, I w- that's what I was doing for a while. Um, Obsesso. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I haven't finished it. Um, I don't know that I'm gonna. But, um, and I did start trying to do Buffy Season 8 and I read the comic version of the script for Buffy, the, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. um, But... You know, what happens with me with comics, especially if they're not just, if they're not already kind of bound in a big format, I burn through them so fast that by the time another issue is available, I have forgotten what was going on or I have to go back and reread. So I'll kind of like with The Walking Dead, I would just wait till they would put out a a big companion every time they had X number of issues and I would just buy that and read that in a day or whatever. Um, So I tend to read a whole lot of comics. It's really easy to do it now because you don't even have to go to a comic book store anymore. But uh, I did, like, I. this was great. I kind of wish I had stumbled on it in 2009. But when I think about what was going on for me in 2009, it was kind of a, it was a, it, yeah, a little it was chaotic. Was... It was a rough year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I've
2: always kind of read comics. I um, uh, I switched kind of, I gave, I, I didn't do it in high school because I was on just a different path in high school. I was riding horses and and competing and doing theater and, you know, um, I got back into it, I guess when I got out of college, got my first job and I, I was working for the army and I met this, uh, I met this kid that was an aide. He was a corporal and he got me into, um, Neil Gaiman and David Mack stuff. And so that's when I started reading, um, Sandman and started reading Kabuki and, um, this kind of coalesced with the Joss Whedon thing. So I started reading the Avenger stuff that he wrote and, um, Uh, some other, some other like uh, fantasy um, art comics, like um, heavy metal I've always been a big fan of. Um, But then, uh, then uh, Buffy ended and they started, uh, they started doing the comic books. Um, They did Fray um, and season eight and Sugar Shock came out and I was like, Oh, why not? And read that too. And so it was all kind of just devouring anything Joss produced at that point because there was nothing else. You know, um, yeah, until yeah. He, he caught on with the Avengers. So um, I remember there was that desert time between, you know, he got two shows canceled and uh, nothing was really working for him. And we, I was really worried about his future as a as a creative i it was so desperate and i know a lot of my friends were doing it too we were reading fanfic people were making their own comics it was crazy um you but do I, yeah i thought do. sugar shock was great we were calling you know the viking gig was you know, you know gag we were everybody was like don't call me a viking Blah. so <laughs> but yeah For we me? oh i'm sorry I was just going to say, Weedon esque was really good with um, yeah. keeping up with what was coming out when. So it was really easy to track, you know, when, when what got released and stuff like that.
0: For sure. I actually used to, and so I guess RIP Weedon esque, mm-hmm. but I yeah. used to follow it. It was fantastic to keep up to date in that world. So I do definitely miss it. It's been a long time, I guess, that it's been, been gone. But I don't, I think, again, it's going back a decade. But I think that's where I did hear about it. Um, But overall, season eight of Buffy and comics is actually what really introduced me to comics overall. Because prior to that, I never read them. Right. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I don't know if I didn't have any interest. It was just one of those things I never got into. But I wanted more Buffy. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I'm going to start reading this because I want to continue into this world. And I'm curious to see. And of course, Joss had his hands into it. And he was involved. So so that was fantastic. And then um, I've kind of fallen off in the last maybe two years or so. it has been some life changes, and I haven't really read as many comics as I used to, because then I started reading anything that he had done, Sugar Shock, um, After the Fall, Angel Series. And then I realized right. that there are so many different companies doing Buffy comics. So yep. in order to kind of maintain some kind of sanity <laughs> and you know financial sustainability I thought I'll only read and purchase you know work that Joss himself has some kind of hand in he's okayed it because I know at least then it's going to be I I think anyway it's going to be good it's still going to be within canon it's not going to be right. like, you know strange and wacky and then I can still own it and 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 enjoy it. And then I started reading, you know, a bunch of other comics and, and stuff like that. But Sugar Shock was, is, is this like wonderful little one shot that I reread it the other day because I think it's it's been multiple years, you know, like you were mentioning that I had read it and it's easy. It's a one issue type deal. But It's so funny. And it's, again, it's back to that incredibly clever, quick-witted dialogue that I love so much.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you. um, And I've even fallen off on the canon Buffy stuff. And um, yeah. Angel stuff. A, a writer I admire, Brian Lynch, was writing for Angel and I followed that for a good long time. But I just I feel like it's not the show, even though they say it's canon or Joss says it's canon for now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just not yeah. the show. It doesn't feel like the show to me and it shouldn't. But um, I'm just I, I, for me, I think Buffy is over um, uh, into unless Joss brings it back into a visual medium like film or television. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to move on to this new show and have him build a new world. And if he revisits Buffy, great. If he revisits Firefly, great. But, um, uh, I got through halfway through season nine and I was like, I'm just, I'm not enjoying this. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of let it slide. And I, you know, I know a lot of people are like heresy, but I, you know, that's just kind of how I feel about it. It's not that I dislike comics as a whole. I dislike it as a medium to tell Buffy's story.
0: That's fair. Yeah, that's. That's totally fair and a really wonderful point. I'm not really sure why I stopped. I think, again, it was just like some life changes and then, yeah, I'm like you. If I try to do a single issues and then I'm like, what
1: happened yeah. to the
0: last one? And then I kind of have to go back and, or I would just wait for the big books. I'm like the compendiums or, you know, I would usually do that. But then I stopped. So I kind of, I was at first really interested and intrigued by the, the new Buffy world. Um, and then it wasn't, I didn't. I, I agree, I didn't really feel so much like this show, but then there's a part I think I got up to, at least, I got into season 10, and then, for me, it kind of felt like it was back into kind of the, the heart and soul of the show, and I did quite like season 10. After that, um, that's kind of where I fell off. I don't think I ended up finishing season 10, but I really enjoyed the Angel and Faith comics, because I yes. love Faith, and... Yeah. I thought that was, I'm not up to date on that. I don't even know if that's still running, but I did, I've collected a whole bunch of those and did very much enjoy those. Um, is there, you kind of briefly talked about other pieces of comic Joss Whedon work. Um, anything else that, that you've checked out that you really, really liked? Any particular favorites? Uh, we were beyond Joss or... Uh, no, still within Joss. Yeah, well, okay, well, so I read Frey because I thought that was part of the
1: run-up for this, too, and I, I liked that, and what I like about that also is it's short, and it's and it tells its entire story, and it's buttoned up and wrapped up, and, you know, I don't have to go issue to
0: issue. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I like when things continue on, but I also really love when things end. Yeah. You know? There's this obsession with keeping things going forever and ever. And I love when things are rebooting
2: think, like enough yeah. with oh, the boy. Joker. God, haven't we seen enough Joker? Thank you. I'm off my soapbox. Um, I feel I, I feel like he said, though, he leaves us hanging. He never said that Frey was over. In fact, mm. I think he said Frey wasn't over. He he hinted there would be more sugar shock. He hinted there would be more Dr. Horrible. And, you know, so we're all just kind of like, hmm. He didn't even Where hint there was going to be more yeah, Dr. Horrible. He said there would be, but, you know, it's, you know, as it ages, I can see how it's, it could be more and more in the rear view mirror for him, especially for Dr. Horrible for the actors. They've all kind of blown up now. Mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy his Kitty Pride, um, Avenger comics. They're really good. Um, his dialogue, like you said, is just it, his ability to pull these humorous, human, non-robotic sounding, you know, conversations, I think is fantastic. They, they sound like real people talking. Mm-hmm.
0: I, my particular favorites actually are Tales of the Vampires and Tales of the Slayers.
2: Yes. Yeah. I love those.
0: Oh, I, I love that there's a variety of different people writing for it and then the different artwork but there's so much heart, especially in Tales of the Slayers. I love just seeing the plights of different Slayers from different times, different you know, like different eras, different aspects of the world. And I just thought it was really sad and beautiful. Yeah. I really, yeah. really loved that one the most, I'd have to say.
2: Yeah, I, I, those were to me, even though they, you know, Josh said they weren't really canon. I thought they were fantastic vehicles mm-hmm. for um, talking about the history of the Slayer and how the duties affected, you know, each each slayer for their time period. Um I was I was broken hearted when Eliza not, decided to not go forward with Faith, you know, the vampire slayer. I thought that would have been an amazing show. Um and I'm cautiously optimistic about the new Buffy show that's coming out. Joss has given it his blessing, so we'll see, but I I think those comics if they had gone that way with one of those stories um, for Tales of the Slayers would have been fantastic as well.
0: Have you found any parallels between Sugar Shock and other Joss written stories? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, the
2: determined, smart mouth, young, (laughs) fighty girl. I mean, it's, you know, it's always (laughs) that, that's the template, right? And she reminds, she's a little more, um, She's a little more feisty than some of his heroes have been, which I like. She, she very much kind of reminds me of Tank Girl in a lot of ways.
0: Mm. Mm, yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> How about you, Jackie? Um,
1: I mean, I, I, I would have to agree with Heather that, you know, she's, you know, she's, she kind of knows, she seems to know her role a little bit more than like a Buffy did where, you know, Buffy's kind of dropped into her, her role as the Slayer and she doesn't necessarily want to take it on. Um, Whereas Mm -hmm. Dandelion was very like, let's go do this, let's go get this, even though I maybe I don't know what situation I'm getting ourselves into because it turned out to not really be a battle of the bands.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The art is a really important thing for me to enjoy and to enjoy the whole, you know, story of everything. I mean, it's a visual medium, so I want to enjoy the visuals, Mm -hmm. so...
2: Yeah, I mean, I love the art in Sugar Shock. I, I like it better than Frey, to be honest. I like the mm-hmm. more a watercolor look to it. It's a little more mm-hmm. abstract. Um, I'm a, a graphics artist by day, uh, oh, okay. and a communications wow. person, art director, blah, blah, blah. So, and I do a lot of our graphics work and our websites and stuff like that. So, I mean, I really, I really love the, the there's almost a softness to it, even though the whole yeah. pan, all the panels are, you know, full of edge and full of futuristic and full of tension. The art itself is really angular, but still kind of soft, which I really like.
0: You know, I would love to see more of this world, but I think that I feel like that way about so many things that Joss Whedon are like, no, I want more of this Um, because I want to know more about this whole, you know, Norse aversion that that she has. Like, I love Norse mythology and Vikings. I want to know what's going on because obviously this is a futuristic thing. I'm like, what's going on? What have we found out about the Vikings that perhaps is, you know, more negative than we know?
2: Could it be more negative? The Vikings were kind of rape and pillage type of people. Like, you know, like we're coming to sack your home and take your women. It doesn't get, you know, I mean, I, I, the other thing I, her sexuality was super fluid in this. And of course, you know, uh, just like Buffy being ahead of its time on, on um, the lesbian relationship. I, I, you know, Josh has always pushed the boundaries on that. Uh, And now it's kind of coming to fruition Um, With gender norms in the public arena uh, for all the eye rolling you see about it. You know, my company has created gender neutral bathrooms. They're talking about pronouns um, in a corporate setting. Um, so, So I think, you know, he was he was ahead of his time on that as you know, as he always is.
0: And our beloved, I think she's the drummer. Oh, uh, she's a bit of a yes, the tr- voluptuous curvy girl. When I was rereading it um, the other day, I really noticed and appreciated that a lot. Yes, just, I like that she treats somebody her- who I can, rec- you know, recognize and be familiar <laughs> with, you know, identify with. Let's say.
1: I like that she treats her groupie like a pork chop too.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's so hilarious. You are not to speak. You are-
0: yeah, just never.
1: <laughs> so good.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought again. Yeah, this was funny. I was laughing out loud reading it, and I'm, I was so glad to to have revisited this comic. Any final thoughts or words on Sugar Shock?
2: No, I just need to reread it because there's a lot I've forgotten. Like I said, I haven't read it since it came
0: out. (laughs) That's fair. I say this often when I actually am on this podcast, but like it's just so Whedon and I just can totally just appreciate that so much. Yep. All right, so going to move on. So there was no, there was no news, new news. There was nothing new to report uh, with regards to the nevers. So it's normally we start the podcast with a, right. a news roundup, but it's been kind of quiet. So. I gotta say,
2: I really enjoyed your guys' video of um, the fire, the fire breathing. That was really cool. Thank Her, you. Um, uh, I was like, well, uh, you know, how are they going to make this work? Is it going to be CGI? Nope, she's actually, you
0: know, yeah breathing fire um yeah in our last episode we talked a lot about like cgi versus practical effects and everything and you know it's hbo and they have the budget and the time and i think the appreciation of cinema that we'll see an incredible amount of practical effects yes I i think
2: he prefers those
0: yeah yeah. I,
2: I wonder have you guys talked at all because I haven't been through all your episodes I'm work you know I'm almost done but it, have you guys talked at all about uh, how you know how the show is going to be put together do you think it's going to be like obviously there's going to be an arc but it, like as far as breaking a, a show do you think it's going to have like a fight scene every show like Buffy had or do you mm. think it's going to be a lot more nuanced I hope not
0: yeah, I don't, honestly, I wasn't on all of them, and I haven't listened to all of the, the episodes, sadly, that I wasn't on. It was mainly with, like, Tig and, and Gina. More talking right. about the casting, but yeah. no, I don't think we've necessarily got down to, like, the nitty-gritty, how we gonna think we think uh, the episodes are going to play out but we can definitely talk about it now
2: <laughs> well I, I i really have no idea i mean i think obviously yeah. he's had a lot more experience so it won't be as formulaic as buffy t intended to be especially in the beginning but um but yeah i'm super interested to see um i just can't wait i'm just like oh,
1: what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah
0: exactly i agree it's just like so many shows were over so long ago it was a different time i just think in my mind, and I try not to go into things with such high expectations, but I do have them. I have a lot of expectations here, but I really think and hope and expect that things, it's just going to be like this complete upgrade Yes, of all of his previous work. And this is going to be this like refreshing new, but familiar Joss Whedon world. Mm -hmm. I'm
2: just excited that there's no meddling from the network. Like, yeah, I mean, it was just so grueling to go through him with Firefly and um, especially Dollhouse to just him to go back to Fox after he said he never would and have the same damn thing happen again it was just heartbreaking. And, you know, so I, I, I'm i so excited for this because I feel like he w- would have been smart enough and had the, the juice to say, I want complete control if you want this property. Yes. So,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, Avengers was the number one movie, top grossing movie for, you know, a good five or six years before it got thrown. in. so, you know, that gives you a lot of power.
0: Completely. Uh, So I'm going to move on to listener submitted letters. All right. Excellent. So we have Janice from Long Beach. She emailed us asking, what villain from the Buffyverse would you set in The Nevers? I'll bring this uh, first over to you,
1: Jackie. Um, I would actually take the the character that Nathan Fillion played um, on oh, one of wow. the later seasons, that preacher guy who is super. Yes. I had, Caleb, yes, Caleb. It. So I had seen Nathan Fillion first as uh, Captain Mall, and when I saw him in Buffy, I was like, I'm kind of glad I got it this way and not right. the other way <laughs> the right way. <laughs> me too yeah. because i don't like him <laughs> he's very scary
0: <laughs> he is how about you heather
1: the
2: gentleman they'd fit right in <laughs> they would glide in to victorian england and and shut everybody up and it would it would be epic because <laughs> they're i mean they're very victorian to to, to begin with so you know yeah. you, you yeah. can imagine the gentleman would work very well in that setting who Ooh. who would you put in
0: uh, I said Illyria. Oh, wow. Because she is this wonderful, all-powerful female character. Little bit of a monster. And I think that she would be... I guess in overall she was kind of seen as a villain, but she's kind of that gray character as maybe she wasn't because she fought with Angel and everyone, but she herself kind of tread the lines between good and evil. So... She might, I'd love to see her kind of come back and be, yeah, be the
2: villain. Yeah. As a god or as who she is before the show ended?
0: I'd say god. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, everybody would just worship her and that'd be the end of that. (laughs) End of show.
0: (laughs) All right, our next question is by, uh, it's from Cynthia White. And she wrote into us, hi, I'm a big fan of Joss and the characters he creates. I was thinking about the protagonists of all of his shows, and I started wondering about the heroes that he's created and what makes a good hero. What quality traits do you think makes a good hero? I'll start on that one. And I say a good hero is someone that is complex. They're complicated. Mainly means the same thing. But, uh, you know, layered. Uh, They're flawed. They're not perfect at all. But in the end, they continue to return to doing what's best, or trying their best to do what's you know uh, best for the common good.
1: I would agree with that. I'm like, I want my hero to be a little fallible, um, you know, but to you know do whatever they're doing despite despite that, because um, that makes them a lot more human, makes them a lot more relatable. I can put my put myself in their shoes that way.
2: I mean, I think I think besides the po- obvious powers or. Uh, if we're talking superheroes, but even an everyday hero, you have to have um, empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to have an intelligence to understand the situation for what it is. I think I think the, the one of the big fa- fallible points with a lot of heroes, uh, Superman and some other uh, others come to mind, Captain America, is they were very black and white about good mm-hmm. and evil. And I think it, it behooves uh, at least a modern superhero. Um, to have the ability to see things in context. Um, I do like for them to have fallibility. They're mm-hmm. not going to get it yeah. right all the time, but at least to understand when they don't, where they went wrong. Yeah. where they messed it up.
0: Also just made, makes for just much more interesting
2: mm-hmm. Amen. watching. <laughs> right, I mean, you know, who was it that Spike used to call Captain Cardboard? Was it Riley? Yes. Probably. Oh, probably. Who else would be (laughs) at the at the end of the day? Riley was a good guy, but he was so stuck in his vision of good and evil. He to me, in some ways, he was a hero before he fell off the edge at the very end of his arc. But but he couldn't be flexible, and that's why he couldn't he couldn't be happy with Buffy, and he couldn't understand why um, morality is not Mm -hmm. a straight line.
0: Completely. And of course, we know Buffy. Is the opposite, which is why she's like one of my favorite people. Absolutely. That aren't real people. <laughs> um, and then we have another question from Sam S. How true to Victoriana are you expecting the Nevers to be? I guess more like Victorian era.
2: Great question. We uh, we actually discussed this, I think, in episode two about where, where they right. were going to go with the, was it going to be sp- steampunk? Was it going to be straight up? you know, hardcore to the, to the, to the limit Victorian with, you know, accurate costumes and all that kind of stuff. So it, I, I'm i leaning towards the latter. Um, I think steampunk's a little mm-hmm. overdone, but I, I don't know. What do you
1: guys think? I'd like to stray a little bit. Um, you know, c- kind of my familiarity with that t- time period is, is really, really in passing. Um, Cause I was kind of more of a sciencey, kind of nerd kid rather than being really super into history yeah not so much so you know so I so I kind of just have a you know real passing familiarity with it so I kind of hope it does you know play with it a little bit
0: for me I I personally would love to see it just be as like as authentic believable and realistic as possible I'd love it to just like dive right in and everything just be drenched with Victorian era everything because that is a favorite era of mine, definitely visually. Oh my. So right. just, I want, I want the outfits. <laughs> I want everything. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I follow, uh, I follow a blog called frock flicks and they, and they get really into the costuming of, and, and I, I haven't seen them mention the nevers yet, but I'm sure they'll start talking about it when it comes out. Um, and they're, they're like, People that have their masters right. in historic costuming <laughs> oh and doctorates, and so, so yeah. they get really nitpicky, and it's it's Amazing. super it's super interesting. Um, to it. I would prefer it be more like Firefly, less you know, it, it, like the space genre, but yeah. not a lot of space yeah. monsters right. or space creatures. They pretty much and there's a, and Jackie mentioned this on our show that there's an element to steampunk Completely. to Firefly as well. So um, I would. I like my supernatural more natural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I wonder if they ever found the bird. Oh, the cockatoo. Well, we haven't
0: had any news Boo, about the cockatoo. It. I hope so. I think it's newsworthy. We all should know where this bird is. <laughs> yeah,
2: but uh, but I think it, it got me to thinking about that because of all the ornate cages. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're really they're the set decoration. They've got some really great people from game of thrones and other places um lots of british um dramas that are you know famous for their art you know meticulous art so yeah so i'm excited about that just just that aspect alone i'm pumped about
0: i am with you four thousand percent i think if they played with it a little bit i would be fine with it but as long as it's just if you watch it and you can point out exactly what era it's from so it's it's classic i would i would be fine with that you know so (laughs) i'm excited about
2: i've always i've always said on paper and you know this is going to sound awful i always said on paper that i don't think joss's properties sound like they're gonna work right i'm just like that sounds (laughs) stupid right and they just but when you watch it it all falls together so i mean i'm gonna trust him to to get through it or, you know, do the, he's, he's not, he doesn't seem to be tone deaf when it comes to that stuff. The only, the only time I really thought, um, his costuming and styling and kind of stuff didn't work was the whole, um, initiative thing in season four mm. and they just they didn't they had obviously they had no military visor on hand yeah. at all so <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you see i missed that entirely because that that's not i know you oh, were, that's right, but i worked for them so i you know i, I was just like, like what yes. so, but i was like sure they're army guys I can but, buy that. but
2: on the other hand it uh, while i scoffed at it a little bit the storytelling pulled me through it
0: well then there's one more question so from ian he says who's your favorite whedon character so oh, i God. actually decided to change that i'm oh, sorry into your top three whedon characters uh and jackie you can go first oh. <laughs> top three
1: boy let me think about that river tam i really like dana and cabin in the woods um and maybe anya from buffy if i just awesome. things up it. a little bit yeah I am so angry at Xander. Oh still. yeah,
2: I was gonna tell me your least favorite character, and I would be like Xander. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Xander, bored. <laughs> oh God, do I have to go yeah, now? I'm so so. Uh, Spike, obviously, to Jackie. Yeah. Spike is Spike is Spike is eternal for me. Um, uh, I love Illyria. Illyria is my top in my top three, and um I'm so conflicted about this one. I want to say Buffy, but I want to say Faith. Because Buffy and Faith mm. are um, kind of the two sides of my psyche, but more Faith. When they ask you that meme about the three characters that um, kind of make up famous like fictional characters, mine is always Faith, Scarlett O'Hara, and Ricky from Better Off Dead.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know... I'm just gonna have to cheat and say the two the two main slayers.
0: I don't think that's a cheat because my top three. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's very challenging because there are so many incredibly well written, rounded, acted characters. Uh, so I'm gonna definitely say Buffy. She's kind of my all encompassing Whedon character. Faith, <laughs> and then it's kind of a tie between Marty from Cabin in the Woods yeah. and Wesley Wyndham Price.
2: Oh yeah, his arc his arc was everything. His arc was so amazing. Oh. I cried and cried, cried for days.
0: Cried. Oh.
2: Cried. There are, there are three places I always cry in Buffy like it doesn't matter how many times I watch it. That's one of them when Buffy says mommy oh. at the end of of the episode right before Joyce and um, when she has to kill Angel,
0: oh, God.
2: right? I'm tearing up right now. <laughs> oh, God, <guys. laughs> um, I, I do think I do think Anya is a super important character. Um, that I don't think we've seen anything like her before or after. Oh. And her her affectations on human life and her in, yep. her insight by having no insight was amazing.
0: It's incredible, I know, I know. Top three moments you cried in the universe of Joss Whedon. That's
1: <laughs> God. God, right? Another, yeah. that's really not fair. Question.
0: <laughs> You're right. It's, it doesn't matter how many times I watch Buffy, I will just ball constantly. So yeah, I guess it's yeah. a good thing. I don't know. Maybe there's some nostalgia in there, but. Uh,
2: I mean, I think it just evokes it evokes nostalgia, obviously. But it's just, you know, it pushed that button from the very first time, yeah. and it's just, you know, there are not many shows in this universe that make me Agreed. cry.
0: Me too. Also, any literally any time ever I see Alison Hannigan cry, just her as a human being in anything, she's a great crier. Completely, completely. <laughs> oh boy. Great crier, great screamer.
2: Yeah. Like, I read that they always had to dub Buffy screams because they never sounded good. But he was like, Allie, she was okay to go with her screams. Like, ah.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot to be a good screamer. That's why there's scream queens. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. Okay. But, yeah. So there's one more question. Sorry, I totally missed that. So Diane on Twitter says, we're all very excited for The Nevers, but what shows are you enjoying right now? I'm personally addicted uh, to Outlander and dead to me on Netflix.
2: Nice. I've watched Outlander. I'm not caught up, but I'm I've thoroughly enjoyed the first couple of seasons. Um the new season of The Good Place just started, so if you haven't, I know a lot of people aren't into comedies, the uh, sitcoms, but The Good Place is worth it. It's really smart and it's really subversive and it's um Kristen Bell um who mm-hmm. is not but, technically but is veronica mars yeah. who he called buffy 2.0 <laughs> um a modern day buffy so i i, I encourage in people to watch that um and uh the expanse
0: nice
2: the expanse uh was on sci-fi it's uh it's a it's it is a science fiction space futuristic show um it got canceled on sci-fi and bezos personally picked it up for amazon so it's still running wow. on
1: amazon so I think the only TV show I'm watching is a sitcom called Superstore, right now, <laughs> Which is great. I love it. It's hilarious. Um cuz I don't know after after the collapse of Game of Thrones, uh. I've just been like I'm off drama for right now. So like I haven't seen the le- the the current season of Stranger Things, The Handmaid's Tale or there's something else. I like, oh, Orange is the New Black. Like I've watched all of those up until their current season and I've been playing video I games. I am reading the 10. Testaments
2: though yeah margaret atwood's new sequel to the handmaid's tale i gotta read Um, that
1: i have a go back
2: i am watching carnival row and part of the reason i'm watching it is because it's uh quasi victorian yes yeah yeah um i'm i'm on the last two episodes i don't know who i was talking to on twitter personally from you guys's team that was uh watched the first couple episodes and was like
0: meh
2: (laughs) (laughs) um it it is it's not it's okay. It's no competition to Joss. Um, yeah. Joss is it's 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 a, it's a different genre within the genre for yeah. one thing, um, and for another thing, there's not there's a couple of things that are still keeping me interested, but there's just no chemistry between the main characters. Right. It's beautiful, beautiful to look at, right. uh, but it's just I, I'm having a real hard time getting through the end of it.
0: Right too bad too bad uh for me i've never seen outlander uh i did watch dead to me and did love that very very much give me those two women and anything ever and i will love it right um but for me i finished watching it i'm gonna re-watch it soon but and if you listen to the last episode of the podcast the dark crystal age of resistance
2: <laughs> yeah yes yeah. Oh, yeah I haven't sat down to watch that, but that's on my list.
0: Oh boy, I'd maybe even bump it to the top of your list, but may might be a little bit biased. Hmm. I it's The Dark Crystal is my favorite Jim Henson movie.
2: Oh yeah,
1: it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like Jackie had a cat named Fizzgig. Oh. I did. Fizzgig. And I had a dog named Kira at the same time and didn't put Amazing. that together. <laughs> Just, just what are you guys looking forward to? Because I'm about to split
2: a gut over his Dark Materials coming out on HBO. Is there anything you're looking forward to? Who me? Besides on TV, besides the Nevers, yeah. obviously. Uh, no.
1: It's, it's 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 been games all yeah. summer, so no,
2: no. Jackie went down the
1: the link hole yeah, and she's girl. gone. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's all. It's all Legend of Zelda here. I'm sorry, not sorry.
0: Yeah. Any new TV shows? Well. The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance was like the new one that I put in my calendar for its release date. And I almost never, <laughs> I don't think I've ever even done that. <laughs> and I was like, this is happening on this day. I am making myself free. Uh, so beyond that, I don't know. There's so much media to consume. But that one to me has been really, it was really important nostalgia-wise, sentimentality-wise. And it turned out to be just... Even more important um, than I even thought it could be. Just so many incredible female characters. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Gelflings, who knew that it was a matriarchal society, which they don't really get into in the movie. So it's fantastic. So
2: Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that from you because I was like, uh, you know, you go into those going, yeah, please don't let them have jacked us up. Yeah, no. You know? It's so interesting. <laughs> there goes my yeah, childhood. Exactly. No, it
0: was... <laughs> So wonderful. So yeah, that were, that's all the questions. So we're going to... That's, all right. The good questions. Yeah, we love the questions that people bring to us. It provokes, you know, a whole bunch of discussion on different things. So it's been wonderful. So that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Nevers podcast community and now the Neverscast community. Yep,
2: neverscast.com, and we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Play, the whole nine yards, wherever you get your podcast uh, food from, you can drive through there and order (laughs) ours. exactly. And uh, and uh, we're looking at a crossover from you guys, so um, uh, we'd love to to just you know offline get together and, and talk about some subjects. I thought maybe we'd talk about Dollhouse or something like that. Oh
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, there'll be another crossover in the future for for these two podcasts, and yeah, we'll definitely be talking about some topics for that. Please remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any episodes when they all go live. And rate us on iTunes and everywhere else, because that will really help us grow our audience. You can find us on hbothenevers.com, where there's blog posts written by myself and Tig and other folks. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search at hbothenevers. And remember, you can always send us your comments, questions, suggestions, concerns, anything at all, to theneverspodcast at gmail.com. Heather, Jackie, thank you so much, so so much for joining us thank today. You. So thank again, you. where can we find you both online and again for the Never's the Never's Cast? Um
1: well my personal online stuff, I am Dr. Steggy everywhere and have been for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I um we for questions, it's um
2: the at gmail.com mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the the website with, is um, theneverscast dot and as we mentioned before, we're on uh, under neverscast. We're on all social media and uh, podcast syndicators.
0: Excellent. Are you personally online anywhere?
2: Um, I have. I am Heather Malone at mac.com If you want to ask me some questions,
0: excellent. <laughs> and I'm Kelly, your host today. And you can find me on social media for sure. Twitter, it's at K gretner which is my last name. Also, don't forget to follow my horror project, and it's spinsters of Horror. Ooh. And the website Ooh. is spincersofhorror.com. We have a monthly podcast called I Spit on Your Podcast. So you nice. <laughs> I love
2: that! <laughs> That's amazing. I love a play on
0: words. And <laughs> being referential. I going to
2: go follow that right now. <laughs> Thank you.
0: So, that's it for us today until next time. Bye.
2: Thank you guys.
1: Bye. Bye.
2: that was good do you like what you hear on the nevers podcast care to share your opinion if you do then consider leaving a review for the show your review helps us to reach new listeners and let us know how we're doing go on it only takes
1: a minute this episode of the nevers podcast was written researched produced and edited by matthew yamanashi the intro and outro music was produced by gilirme morais we are more than just a podcast we're a fan community you can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. The Nevers podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy, Warner Media Entertainment, or any of its subsidiaries,
2: including home box office HBO, and is intended entertainment and educational purposes only. The Nevers and all names, pictures and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders.